Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to this week's episode of Feelin' Film. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me tonight, one day later than usual, is my best friend and co-host, Patch. Hola! This episode was originally scheduled to be a conversation about 2019's The Lion King, but after seeing it and realizing just how closely, as in, like, literally beat for beat, (laughs) the story follows the original We decided there wasn't much value in dissecting the story again when we've already done that when we covered the original animated masterpiece back in, I think it was Minisode 22. So frankly, we are realizing that most of these Disney remakes aren't offering us much more than the opportunity to, say, just compare and contrast with the original. And that's not really what our show is about. So if that's the case, we may just be skipping more of these in the future and not covering them and just for the sake of doing what's hot at the moment, um, unfortunately. You know, if Disney wants to put out some more original content, hey, we're all for that. The silver lining, uh, you may not know this, but this year we were actually granted press credentials to attend 2019 San Diego Comic-Con, which took place last week. Unfortunately, lodging and airfare costs kind of prevented us from covering the con, something that we're hoping to be able to afford in years to come. Um, That said, we're always excited at the trailers that drop and the news that comes out of Comic-Con because uh, it covers a lot of the properties that are close to our hearts that we really enjoy and this year offered plenty to geek out about. So in lieu of The Lion King, we're going to discuss our Comic-Con reactions instead. Now, I have a quick note uh, before we start. 2019 Director Battle Month is off and running. Technically, it's going to be August, but uh, the voting is beginning now. You can check out our FF Plus episode from a couple of weeks ago for the full 64 film bracket and details on the voting dates. But just know that that voting is happening right now, and you can participate only in our Facebook group. Uh, just click on the link in the show notes or visit facebook.com slash group slash film to join up and help us pick these four August episodes of the show. Um, just in the first night of voting, Patrick, I don't know if you were aware of this, but we had two of our beginning eight matchups go down to the wire tied. Like they were tied up until right about midnight when somebody cast the final vote in those. Yeah. Two. When you and I were, were talking in lieu of or chatting in lieu of our podcast episode, I was looking at some of the, the Facebook polls and I was like, this is crazy. Some of the close races that we got. And I wish that Facebook gave us a a better way to kind of tally those and like cut it off at midnight because it's difficult for me to go in the next morning and be like, who won, who won. But luckily that's why we have you who is meticulous enough to let us know who wins. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. There might be a situation where if, you know, two or three people were up at midnight to 5 a.m., Pacific time, they were able to swing the vote uh, one way or the other. But that has never happened in the history of us doing this, so I'm not really too worried about that. Oh, I lied. The, uh, there is one other super important thing to mention. Uh, we wanted to say a huge thank you to our newest Patreon supporter and also a longtime Facebook group member and listener, Kiefer Wimborn. Uh, your support is really meaningful to us, Kiefer, and super encouraging. We 
Really do appreciate it and hope and you enjoy all of the rewards that we offer our patrons. Um, if you're listening and you would like to be like Kiefer and support the show, check out what doing so gets you at patreon.com slash feelingfilm. I've talked a lot. So now, Patrick, away we go. Let's do it. All right. Well, we're going to start off here with some movie trailers. That's going to be the focus of this first segment. We're going to do this in three sections. Now, we're not going to talk about Top Gun Maverick because we did that in depth on last week's FF Plus episode. Um, so we would like to direct you there if you've not listened to that already. It was a really, really good conversation and probably more robust than we're going to have about any of these movies because we just had more time. And I think it was probably the one we're most excited about collectively out of all of these. Absolutely, uh, at least, yeah. At least for the movies. And so, yeah, we enjoyed discussing Top Gun Maverick. Check it out, FF Plus, last week. So with that being said, the first one I want to go over is the upcoming sequel to, I think, two years ago, 2017's Andy Machete's uh, recreation of Stephen King's novel, It. So this is going to be It, Chapter 2. And Patrick, I want to get your thoughts on this sequel because the background is It was one of the first horror movies we covered. Um, it was you stepping out of a box <laughs> that you have lived in. Um, <laughs> and stepping right back into that and box. And getting <laughs> really freaked out and running yeah. away from the clown screaming. Yeah. So uh, you have been really on the fence about whether or not you wanted to, to cover It Chapter 2, even though we did It Chapter 1. Um, so what did you think of the trailer and kind of where do you stand right now? Well, first of all, I love the teaser, I think, more than I love the trailer because I thought there's a lot of creep factor that goes into what we saw, I guess, maybe about a month ago. And I'm still on the fence, to be honest, because I've noticed that as I've ventured more into the horror genre and actually revisiting some of the older movies that I grew up watching, like the nightmare movies, I've, I've gotten, I think it might be a false sense of hope <laughs> when it comes to possibly experiencing it as a horror movie that I want to visit. As far as the trailer goes, I thought we got a lot of great information. We got Pennywise coming back, which was obviously going to be happening. We got a more in-depth kind of study of the different characters and figuring out, okay, we've got these grown-ups and now they've come back, so what's going to happen? Some of the terrifying sequences, like in the House of Mirrors, I thought was very well executed. And we did not get the bloodiest scene that's apparently going to come across uh, the horror genre to date, which obviously I didn't think we'd get that. But overall, the story itself feels really compelling. I'm familiar with it because I grew up watching the the TV miniseries, but I'm more intrigued by this half because I, if I, if I looked the two halves together, the second half appeals to me a lot more because we get a lot more of what's happened. 27 years later and how are the kids being affected and what's going to happen there. So it's a, it's a great trailer in terms of giving you a little bit of backstory and a little bit more of how that gets fleshed out. I still don't know if I want to see it. I think I'm on the, I think I'm going to, I'm going to have a hat on. So if I need to turn my face at the scary parts, I will, but I will say this. I, I love the fact that we're getting some of the remnants of the first one. Like we get the some water, motifs here and there and we get some of the the i guess you'd call it the 
vibration or some of the kind of the screeching type of visuals that we got from the first one. Um, overall, it's a it's a creepy trailer, and I think it does the movie justice potentially. Well, I'm glad to hear that um, because I'm actually kind of on the upward trend with regards to this movie. I, I've been kind of, I guess, middling about it as well. Not anti seeing it due to creep or scary factor, just not necessarily knowing the narrative. I didn't know if I was super interested in seeing this. I haven't rewatched it. I've been holding off on that. I wanted to do it right before seeing this one. I agreed with you. Actually, 100%, I liked the teaser better because it was much more atmospheric and suspenseful in the way that it was creepy. This one shows a lot more the kind of in-your-face, like physical, violent, bloody type of scares, I think. But that shot in the the shot in the teaser, and I know we're, we're not discussing that one per se, but like the shot where... She's talking to the old lady and the thing comes out in the back and just walks. Uh, it's just that kind of stuff is what to me, great horror does. Now this may do some of that too, but it's not in this tra- trailer, you know, cause right. So one thing I really liked is that they showed us clearly who the actors were playing older versions of, I guess, I don't know how to word that, but basically for me, not knowing any of the names really, uh, it was nice to see them kind of transition from the young version of that character into the old version of that character. So I would know, okay, that's who I'm going to be able to relate that part of the story to. Um, so I like that. I haven't read the books. I never watched, still didn't go back and watch that original Tim Curry version of this. So I'm actually really excited to see what happens. I love the idea of them coming back 27 years after they made this promise together, despite the danger that they know exists. So I think what the first half does is a story, which is really gets into your skin in terms of what scares you, which is a fantastic trope in horror, getting at the heart of what scares an individual versus what scares the group. The second half, narratively, this isn't really a spoiler, but it will center around the strength of the group, the core. I mean, we get that hinted at in the dinner sequence near the beginning of the trailer where they're explaining that. Pennywise has returned. What are we going to do? There's a lot of really great rotating shots in the trailer that kind of reinforce that idea that everybody is in this thing together. Like they harken back to that final scene from chapter one where they're holding hands. They have a blood blood tie there where they're they're holding each other's hands. That's going to become a big factor. And I'm curious to see with these adult actors who you know have the acting chops that we know they do how that's going to look. Are they going to be convincing enough to feel like they reconnect after all this time? Maybe some have not kept in touch. Maybe some have. So that's going to be big for me when I watch this, if I watch this, that how are these characters that bonded together as kids, what's going to happen to them 27 later? And how is that going to play out? Yep, absolutely. I'm excited to see it now. And I'm sure that I will also be a little bit hidden in my eyes sight with that scene if it really is the most bloody in movie history because that's not my thing at all there is one really super scary moment in this trailer though when you get that scene of bill skarsgård with the pennywise costume i guess off or whatever but like whatever his humanoid looking face is and he's just screaming and like talking into the camera at the very end and close up 
and like one eye almost looks like it's disconnected. It's off to the side. It is terrifying looking and whew, yikes. All right. Well, the second trailer that dropped is actually not at all comic book related or comic book studio related. Not that I guess it chapter two is comic book related, um, but it's kind of it just felt a little bit. I don't know, out of place to me in a lot of ways. And that's the trailer for 21 Bridges. Now, I think I know why this movie was being released at Comic-Con, probably because it's directed by uh, the Russo brothers, um, who are well known as the directors of many films in the MCU. And so this, tw- this movie, 21 Bridges, I actually saw the trailer not because of Comic-Con. I saw it Saturday morning when I was taking my daughter to see Spider-Man Far From Home. And I was like, oh, it must, you know, what's that? And then I found out it had dropped at Comic-Con. So I must have seen it like in the very first theater, you know, showings of that trailer. And I loved it. I remember nudging her going like, oh, this is, this is my stuff right here. This is my kind of movie. So what did you think about that one? I wasn't really high on it, honestly. I think that you're right. It has Chadwick Boseman in it. It's directed by the Russo brothers. So it must be a superhero movie if you have those two, <laughs> if you're doing kind of your, your math, your movie math. It feels, Somewhat generic. It's got lots of good action, has kind of the Dark Knight flavor to it because it uses the city itself as kind of a central character. I feel like I want some kind of twist to happen because the trailer itself kind of made it look like your standard action film. A little bit of suspense, a little bit of not really espionage, but I don't doubt that the the cast is going to help carry the narrative. I just don't know enough about it to get me intrigued like it feels like your typical action film the thing that i say though in response to that in response to my own opinion is that it's not a property at least not that i remember i don't think it's based off of anything which is kind of a breath of fresh air honestly aaron i i need to give more of these a shot these movies that are original stories they come from whoever, but they're not based off of some IP that we have this kind of built-in faith in. So I will go see it, maybe because you'll say, hey, we need to cover this, but also because I feel like I need to give more of these movies a chance because in the world where Disney rules and everybody else is sort of hanging out at the party, I want more original content. I want more stories even if they're not amazing, fantastic, even if they don't really kind of get my 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 blood curdling of excitement, there's enough about this that's appealing. The cast alone makes it makes it worth it for me. Yeah, so let me correct myself. It's actually not directed by the Russo brothers. I don't want to give people false hope. It is produced by the Russo brothers. It's directed by Brian Kirk. Um, this is a film put out by STX Studios. Uh, I, it's like an indie brand, and I know that they have put out things like Molly's Game, in past years so they do a good job of picking content in my opinion i've liked quite a few of the movies that they've put out in the past years now i don't know if this is one we'll want to cover maybe this could be if it's in a week where we don't have anything specific going on and i go see it and fall in love with it that'd be fun because you're right we don't cover a lot of original stuff um and i see more of it than you do because i see things for reviewing purposes and you're limited in what you can watch, so you're watching things for the podcast first and foremost, prioritizing those things. But yeah, this is the kind of thing that I really like. I mean, yes, it has Chadwick Boseman, um, and he's this cop on a citywide manhunt. But like you said, the cast, Sienna Miller, Taylor Kitsch, personal favorite, 
J.K. Simmons is in this, and Stephen James, who was the star of uh, the most recent film that I can't think of the name of from last year. And wow, wow, wow. Don would kill me right now. Don Shanahan would kill me. His favorite film of last year. Barry Jenkins, latest film. If Bill Street could talk. There we go. Now, folks, I'm not even going to edit that out. I'm going to let you hear me working my way through it. It's it's If Bill Street Could Talk. That's what it is. And he's awesome in that movie, but it is not an action film. <laughs> so I'm excited to see him in this one. I loved the cast. And it looks like it's going to be full of twists and surprises. It looks like it's going to be super fast-paced. And I'm totally here for it. The one thing I'm a little nervous about, though, Patrick, is it's it's all happening. It seems like it's one of those movies like in this one night in the city. And that can lead to an annoyance of extremely dark scenes. And when you get a movie that's all in the darkness, it can be frustrating because you just never have any breaks where you get lighted moments. And so I hope that that's balanced out well in this one. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah, this is why I had that kind of Batman feel to it. Is it's just very dark. It's it's one of those things that that's what happens. And so hopefully the uh, the cinematography won't suffer because of that. Well, the other trailer we're going to talk about is for a certain upcoming movie that I've had mixed expectations around, mixed hype around, and the internet collectively broke down when this trailer came out. I was actually a little disappointed, to be honest, because this trailer came out, I would say, maybe 30 minutes or so after Top Gun Maverick. I don't even know if it was that long. It was really quick. And so all of the social media talk went quickly from, oh my gosh, Top Gun looks amazing, to what the heck did I just watch? So Patrick, cats. Cats, cats, cats. Where... Did you land on this trailer? And give me some background because I don't I don't actually know. Have you seen the stage play for Cats as well? Like, what's your history with it? Blind spot. Have no history with this property at all. I know it was one of the, if not the longest running Broadway musical in history. And that's about all I know. Never saw it off Broadway. Never had a desire to see it as much as I like the animals. I didn't really think that People in cat costumes being cats appealed to me. So complete blind spot watching the trailer. I was entertained. And I if I could fall in love with one thing, it would be the cast. You've got a fantastic, fantastic cast. I mean, when you've got Idris Elba doing some Broadway, I mean... I trust that. I think that's kind of cool. I haven't really seen much of that. But then you got James Corden and you've got all these other folks that are coming alongside in this feline world. I'm not really up on the plot. I'm not really up on the whole setting thing. I don't know that I can get past the whole idea of cats. It feels a little bit too bizarre for me, but I think I would be willing to try it out for the sake of the cast and the songs. I think the songs are pretty fantastic. So I also trust the director. He's the same guy behind Les Mis. And I absolutely love that for obvious and not so obvious reasons. But 
this particular musical is one that I will go see because I need to see it. I need this to be a part of my musical history, like to say, yes, I've seen cats. And is it bad that inside, deep inside, I made some Lion King joke about the expressions on these faces were a little bit more than the Lion King <laughs> expressions from this year? You're not the only one. Okay. So I'm going to stop. That's the only dig I'm going to make at the Lion King. And that's it. But as far as Cats goes, I, I'm I'm cool with it. I think it'll be fun to watch. And I'm excited to get to experience it. So the CGI didn't bother you at all? Like it didn't stick out to you as jarring? Because that's what the internet is flaming this over. They're saying that it looks absolutely atrocious. It's the worst CGI they've ever seen. That's the collective like hot take. For Cats? Didn't notice that at all. And again, I'm naive to that. I, okay. I will confess no, that I'm naive to it. You don't need to be naive to it. You don't need to. You don't need to give yourself a qualifier. You didn't notice okay. it. It didn't bother you, and no. you you were fine with it. I didn't notice it, and I was fine with it too. And and that's where I wanted to come with this because this is two people, all right. And all you're gonna see on the internet is retweets and articles about how cats has the worst CGI ever. And it's terrifying and scary and all this stuff. I mean, seriously, if you were, I know you're not a big social media user, but you would have been shocked at the way it went down. People are already proclaiming it the dumpster fire of the year, the worst movie they've ever seen. I mean, it is, it has gotten so much crap just because of this trailer. Personally, I I didn't mind it. I mean, does the CGI look perfect at all times? No. There's a couple of moments where I was like, eh, it's a little weird looking. Like, I think it was Rebel Wilson's cat kind of had me freaked out. But it's more of a freak out than it is a thinking that the CGI is poorly done. And the reason it's freaky is because that's what Cats is and you haven't seen it. And I, I want to express this to listeners who haven't seen the musical, which is strange because it's like one of the most seen in history. But I've met a lot of people recently who have no history with this. It is bonkers, Patrick. The the premise and the things that happen in Cats, it's out there. It's wild. It's wacky. Um, it recently came here when I still had my Broadway subscription last year. I didn't go see it during this run. I, I let uh, my partner, who had the other half of our tickets, uh, she went. And she was, like, ready to leave at – I almost said halftime – at intermission. Because it was just like – she's like, what the heck? is this it is full of sexual innuendo and we it is weird it is just weird okay so i think people are in for something <laughs> that might very much surprise them and i also think that when i watched this trailer i got a complete perfect feeling of what i feel of cats <laughs> now i don't love it at all in fact, I don't know how much I even like it. I like the music, though, and I thought that Jennifer Hudson's uh, rendition of Memory, which is a very famous song in the trailer, was really good. She can flip and sing. Uh, I like the cast. You mentioned Idris Elba. You mentioned James Corden. Like, those are two highlights for me. Uh, Taylor Swift is a cat. Uh, meow. Uh, well, I don't know what else to say. Like, I'm there with Taylor Swift as a cat. Like, I don't – I'm sorry, people – it's don't hot. apologize. For it that. is hot. Don't, apo- don't, um, don't qualify yourself. <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. I gotta wipe this out of my my mind's eye for a second. But seriously, um, yeah, I love his previous mu- movie musical, Les Mis, like you do. It's one of my all time favorites. Of course, Les Mis is my all time favorite musical, so there was a little bit of a helper there. But I thought it was a great adaptation. I don't love Hooper's <laughs> Best Picture winner. Shockingly enough, uh, The King's Speech, not one of my favorite movies. Um, I thought it was fine. 
But I'm excited to see what he does with this. And I thought it looked like a really fun movie musical. I think it's nice to go into it without having that history because you say it's bizarre. So my expectations are managed at that point. I'm not putting it on a layer of like, okay, Cats is bizarre, but is it on the bizarre level of the stage production that I saw here and there? And so not having that history, I can just go into it with that, with that insight. Hey, just know you might want cough syrup because you're in for a ride and it's going to be something. Yes, sir. Well, all right. Let's transition into our next segment, which is TV trailers. Um, you may be surprised to hear that here. You're listening to Feeling Film. We know, but there were more TV trailers that dropped than there were movie trailers. And uh, there's some pretty interesting ones, frankly. And, you know, Patrick and I don't watch all of these TV shows, um, but we know that many of you do. And we do have some feelings about some of them. So the first one I want to start with, Patrick, is definitely one that I know we have been intrigued by when we found out it was being created. Um, so The Watchmen is an upcoming series on HBO. It is not at all connected to the Zack Snyder adaptation uh, that he did in the film world. It is a completely reimagining by Damon Lindelof, one of our favorite creators of Lost and The Leftovers fame. He's actually calling this one, it's more of like a remix, as opposed to an adaptation or a sequel of the original material. The setting is current, so it's present day. It's not going back in time. And many of the characters are going to be new. But it is going to kind of keep the detailed deep dive into social and political implications of vigilantes uh, running around in costumes and with masks on some of them with superpowers. And I, it's going to probably follow some of those threads in ways that are going to really surprise us, but also have a ton, a ton, a ton of that social commentary. So I'm curious where you have landed on what you've seen so far from The Watchmen. Are you still interested in it, or are you turned off by this direction? No, I, I like it. I think that you said it best. Lindelof is treating this as a remix, kind of like what I feel like Alex Garland did for Annihilation as a response to the books. It's great to be able to take source material and be inspired by it to tell new stories. I think that we've talked a lot on the show when we have a movie – that we kind of respond to and we say, man, this would be a, be a great TV series. Waterworld is a, is a great example because there's so much historically within that narrative that you could explore and that you could taper off here and there. And I think Damon Lindelof, as someone who is along with his partner, Carlton Cuse, I don't know if he's, if he's on this project, but what they did with Lost for the most part was really spectacular world building and being able to branch off using a really great cast of characters to have the Watchmen source material as your base model and to be able to branch off of that. I think it gives it a lot of potential. I'm definitely interested because I love the Watchmen property, but I also like the fact that it's not as connected that we'll get pockets. We'll get hints of these things like the clan of Rorschachs, I think is what I'm calling them. I don't know what they're called. They apparently are a big deal in this world. Okay, so what's that all about? 
But there's a lot of exploration that I think we're going to get from this TV series, how long it'll last, if it's a finite number of episodes. I'm not really as concerned about this, but I'm more concerned about how much of the source material are we going to reach back into as someone who may or may not be into that property or who has never read the comic or seen the Snyder adaptation. Is it going to be confusing for them? Do you need to have a background? I don't think you will. I think some stuff's going to be told expositorily. But for the most part, I think this is a series that could live on its own without having that. Yeah, I don't think you're going to need it really at all. I think it's really a cool idea, honestly, because when Alan Moore wrote The Watchmen, it was meant as a commentary on the time period that it was being set in, right? I think that was the whole point. And newsflash, listeners, the world has changed (laughs) since the 60s and 70s and um, era's gone by, and we're in a different place now. And so I think the idea of the Watchmen exists, and you making it modern is exactly what intrigues me. I- I'm I'm there with you. I think it. I'm hit or miss on how it looks. Like I think it looks good as far as production design goes, but I'm not like wowed by any of the trailers. But I'm I'm just intrigued. I'm very very curious. I'm curious enough that I will definitely be tuning in. Uh, and watching these until it gives me a reason not to. The cast, I seem to be saying this a lot, but I have found that the cast can sell me on a lot of things these days. Uh, Regina King is amazing, frankly. Spot on. I think it's super cool to get old Don Johnson and old Lou Gossett Jr. in a movie or in a series like this after loving them in the films world for so long and TV world when we were growing up. And, you know, Jeremy Irons as... Uh, Ozymandias, I, I just, I mean, okay, inspired casting. Like, I, that's perfect. That's a fantastic casting, in my opinion. And I think the weight that is put on that role specifically, I am so glad that they cast someone that is a truly, like, incredible, incredible actor. You know what I mean? So I, I'm pretty pumped for this one. I will definitely be checking it out. The next one I want to talk about is a series that you only recently would have found yourself interested in, and that is Snowpiercer. Um, This is going to be adapted from the source material slash also the adaptation of the movie that already took place. It's a French graphic novel that you yourself have obtained, uh, I think, two or three volumes of and have been reading through. Um, This is interesting, Patrick. It's going to be... I've heard mixed reports, TNT, TBS, whatever. It's Turner something is going to be doing this. So it's not one of the big streaming services that's putting the show on. And it's going to continue to tell the story of the last remaining humans that are stationed on this train that is continuously circling a now frozen Earth. Um, Jennifer Connelly is in this, which I'm excited for. I love her. Um, she is going to be a character who tries to keep peace between the class-based society and the upper class of the train. She seems to be, I don't know if she's in the comics, you can tell me, but she's not in the movie. That's for sure. And David Diggs is going to be in the Chris Evans role, essentially of starting the uprising for the lower class. Super psyched about that because I love him as an actor. Um, but it is noted that this will be different uh, from both the film and graphic novel. So it's going to be inspired by those, but it's also going to go its own directions. What are you thinking? Well, this is the TV series that I'm most excited about, and for the exact reasons that you mentioned. 
Jennifer Connelly plus Dobby Diggs equals awesome. That was the math problem that I had sorted out in my notes. But having finished the three-volume graphic novel and then going back and not revisiting Snowpiercer, the movie, but remembering our, our conversation, there are definitely differences. So Snowpiercer as a movie was heavily inspired by but does not follow the the novel or the graphic novel itself. The graphic novel is incredibly different but incredibly interesting as well. And so if this is a further iteration of that where you take elements from the movie and elements from the graphic novel, this is worthy of a TV series. There's a lot that takes place on the Snowpiercer. There's a lot that happens with not just the the Diggs character or the Chris Evans character in this, you know, in this TV series, Jennifer Connelly's character, I believe is in the first volume of the graphic novel. It's been a couple of months since I've read it, but the whole uprising, I will say this does not happen the way that it does in the graphic novel. So what we're seeing is really a great mesh of potential graphic novel movie. I love the cinematography. I love the coldness of it. That was one of the things that appealed to me about the film was the fact that we could feel that cold. We feel the the steel of the of the train itself. The punishment that we that we get from the movie makes an appearance, you know, with the arm and the and the train window thing. Yeah, there's like uh, quite a few scenes actually directly from the movie that I saw. Um, the school bo- school car yeah. um, shots, and I was a little, I was a little bit concerned about that. But you're saying you don't think it's going to be? I I think, I think maybe. Have... Go ahead. Maybe they're in the trailer just intentionally to give us that reference point for those of us that have seen it potentially. Um, kind of like to show us like, oh hey, some of that stuff you know is going to be in there. But if they're in the trailer, I mean, there's. There's so much more time in a series than what an hour and 45 minutes of a movie. Right. So that's a, that's a through line. The, the uprising is a through line of the movie, but in the novel, in the graphic novel, because it's three volumes, there are three big events that take place and they're not necessarily connected to each other only really by time. So what I'm curious about is if they're going to take the source material and kind of weave it into this TV series. My curiosity's peak because I'm going to wonder how they do it. Because there's a lot more going on around the Snowpiercer than what we're given in the movie. And I'll that's I'll leave it at that. And that's the kind of stuff that you can take the time to explore and slowly leak out those pieces of information within a series to give you breadcrumbs that take you from episode to episode uh, that you can't just do that in a single movie. So uh, yeah, I'm excited for that, too. I'm really looking forward to this series, unfortunately, because there are several of these that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, history has not been on my side with completing TV series. So we'll see which ones uh, or one, if any, stick. Well, the next one I want to just real briefly kind of touch on is this Harley Quinn animated series. And Patrick's already laughing back there. It, this is going to be on... DC Universe on their new kind of flagship streaming product that has been pretty good from what people have told me. It's got some good content on there. I'll say this about this Harley Quinn animated show. It, first of all, 
it's going to be adult. It's going to be rated whatever, but it's mature. If adult cartoons, Patrick, are going to exist, this feels like a good character to do that with. And parts of this trailer, it's really short. It's like a minute and a half, 10 seconds long or something, but it seemed very forced to me. There's a moment where this plant, I'm guessing it's Ivy's, is cursing and talking back. And that was like, that felt like a very forced vulgarity, cartoony thing to do. But the violence and the tone of this cartoon, I felt like they kind of were spot on and it worked for me. And I, I think it could provide a unique look at the DC universe through a villainous perspective. I mean, I'm intrigued by it. Well, I'm glad you are because I'm not at all. I'm not, I'm not into Harley Quinn that much. There are certain iterations of her character that I can tolerate. So I respect the tone of what this animated feature is going to be, but it's just not my style. I think my, <laughs> I wrote in my notes, Harley doing the floss may be enough to get me to watch. And then I wrote so violent, so Harley. I think that the tone of this thing is spot on and the level of violence and gratuitousness fits with that kind of character, especially in her relationship with Joker but it's not for me. It's not going to be a, a, a feature that I watch. So you'll have to tell me if the floss is, you know, up to standards of what the kids are doing today, but it will not be one that I put on my top, on the top of my list. Yeah, I didn't think so. I mean, I'm not going to be watching it, but for those interested in DC comics and who like adult type content, I think it could be a good marriage of those two things is what I'll say for those that are interested in that type of stuff. So. Um, the next one I want to mention is Star Trek Picard. Now, we knew this was coming. I think it was teased out a few weeks ago. Um, and in this trailer, we see Captain Jean-Luc Picard um, living comfortably, looks like in retirement, with a dog, which is named number one, by the way. I thought that was pretty fantastic. Um, he's in his vineyard in France, and of course, trouble comes looking for him. Um, he is going to have to return to Starfleet to confront the Borg with him, it looks like is going to be Jerry Ryan uh, reprising her role as Seven of Nine. Yep. I'm not personally familiar with yet. Um, also sending everybody into a, a seemingly frenzy is that uh, Brent Spiner is going to be back. Um, we don't know yet if he's going to play Data or some sort of other android or what. Uh, but we also know that Jonathan Frakes, who played William T. Riker, uh, and he also had directed a number of these episodes, I believe. But he's going to be back, and Marina Sirtis will be back as Deanna Troy. So fans of The Next Generation are in for a treat, and there was a huge frenzy about this trailer when it dropped. I will say this. I never watched The Next Generation. I never really watched all of any Star Trek. It's a big gap in my fandom, especially considering my love of sci-fi. And even having not watched all of the Star Trek series, now I've seen all the movies multiple times, I actually would say if I had to pick a series to continue or dive into, even though my history says differently based on my watch habits, I prefer Star Trek to Star Wars because I love the philosophical, intellectual situations that Star Trek presents for humanity and spirituality, just all kinds of amazing things to uncover, whereas Star Wars is more action-focused and fantasy-like. So I prefer Star Trek, but I never did it. So 
I got super hyped when I watched this trailer a few times back to back, and I want to dive into this. I love, love, love Patrick Stewart. I think he's phenomenal in what I've seen of him as Picard. And so I found this guide on the internet, Patrick. I actually take that back. I didn't find this guide. Ryan Kahn, my friend and our listener, and uh, a, a very awesome, thank grateful patron, uh, he sent me this guide. It's by a guy named Max Timken, and apparently he's done the same thing for Deep Space Nine, so if you're interested in that, feel free to look him up. Max Timken. T-E-M-K-I-N is his last name. But he put together a guide that compiles 40 episodes to watch of The Next Generation. I guess there's 178 episodes total, and I especially was never going to do that. 40, while not a great chance, (laughs) gives me a fighting chance, okay? And... So I decided to take that plunge, and I am already through the episodes that cover the first two seasons, which apparently are slower, like it starts off kind of slow, and then it starts to ramp up. I've watched those, and I've watched two episodes of the season three list, and I'm really, really enjoying this. Um, The Measure of a Man, or Measure of a Man episode that was in season two has to be one of my favorite sci-fi stories ever, and I will say that unequivocally completely after one viewing like it was phenomenally crafted and if i can get more of that kind of storytelling within this series man i'm stoked i'm really excited to take this journey i'm I'm hoping to stick with it and then get into picard and stay with it because i love 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 this world tng was the star trek that i grew up on it's what i fell in love with in terms of episodic storytelling for the same reasons that you mentioned, having that, why are we here, philosophical social commentary on the world that we live in currently, at the time it was in the 80s and 90s, but this is the Star Trek, Star Trek Picard is the Star Trek I've wanted since DS9. I think Next Gen and DS9 are probably two of the strongest TV series in the Star Trek pantheon. I will say that even against discovery which has gotten rave reviews didn't push my buttons very much so i didn't opt to stick with it but what i i dig about the fact that star trek picard is coming back around is the fact that the creators and the folks behind it understand what really drove the success of star trek in a 10-year period you know of course it was only on for seven seasons but With the exception of the first, the seasons progressively got better and better and better. Um, the, the author of that article mentioned that the first two seasons were kind of hit or miss. And then they finally found their footing when the showrunner creator that later became the, the Battlestar Galactica showrunner put his creativity to that, to that series. And from three on, I absolutely loved it. Like I'm, I'm doing the, I'm doing the, the TNG 40 with you as well. Well, not with you, but as well. And I have gotten through the first couple of episodes. There are several in the first season that I like, but the way these are fleshed out, they maintain little plot points that you need to help get you an understanding of the entire series so that when Star Trek Picard makes its debut, you'll have that kind of history without having to trudge through 170-something episodes. I will say this, though. It's a great series. 
I mean, overall, there is a consistency to it. You have a few bad eggs here and there. But for the most part, I love the fact that each episode is self-contained, that you can kind of cherry pick the episodes you want if you want a good just kind of story. But there's also that small thread of subplots that continues to kind of move forward if you're being very uh, much connected to the series and working through all of those 100 plus episodes. So I'm glad you're going through it. It's one that I think is to me like the Twilight Zone. I will pick it up randomly and say, I'm just going to watch an episode here and there and do that and just enjoy that. Like if I don't have something fresh in my mind that I want to watch, that is one of my go-to series, the the TNG. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm super glad that we're both kind of going through that together, even if not necessarily exactly at the same time. Uh, it's still something I can talk to you about, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And reminiscent of our time with Battlestar Galactica that led to the creation of this podcast in so many ways. So kind of a fun connection there and the double connection of the original Star Trek Next Generation connecting with Ronald D. Moore and yada, yada, yada. Anywho, moving on to the next trailer. This one was for the Netflix series coming The Witcher. Now, this is a series based on the popular books, The Witcher series, um, penned by, oh my goodness, uh, Andrzej Sapkowski. I don't know. I'm not even going to keep trying. Um, but more knowledgeable for folks is, or more importantly, I guess, is that this is a series that became a lauded uh, video game. So Witcher 3 won all kinds of video game of the year awards. It is very beloved by RPG fans everywhere. The key thing is that the series is not going to follow the video game stories. It's going to follow the books instead. It is a typical fantasy series. It's filled with magic, monsters, elves. And I think that people that are looking for something to fill that Game of Thrones gap, um, you're going to see a lot of stuff cropping up on different streaming services. We're going to talk about one more here in a second from HBO themselves that are trying to grab that audience. Okay, and this one's trying to do so by crossing over into that video game um, crowd as well. Now, Henry Cavill is starring as the monster hunter uh, Geralt of Rivia. That's a good start. That will draw in a crowd in and of itself because he has a huge fan base. I count myself as one of them. I personally am intrigued by this. I was not blown away by this trailer by any since um, I it is going to be leaning into the adult side of this series, which it is very adult. Uh, even the video games themselves are. And it's also going to be leaning into kind of a horror-y version of this fantasy world, which it, it is fitting. That is the way it should be. I'm curious what your response to this trailer was, knowing that you've not played these video games and really probably have zero knowledge about them. Henry Cavill, yes. Epic fantasy, no. So now I'm kind of split. I'm like, do I watch it because Henry Cavill's in it? Or do I ignore it because it's epic fantasy? I'm probably going to watch the first episode and see. If it doesn't appeal to me, I'll probably nod off. And look, I have time to watch TV series. I make time to watch them. I mentioned tonight, The Good Doctor is probably my favorite TV series on right now. But there's only so much that I can actually consume as well. 
And I think this might fall on the cutting room floor, especially with things like the Watchmen, Snowpiercer and Star Trek Picard kind of making their way. I just I don't see myself being fully committed. Something's going to have to be pretty fantastic in the pilot episode for me to to really get on board with it because it's not my jam by default. Yeah, I, I would actually say there's no chance at all knowing you. Uh, this is this is epic fantasy. This is real, real fantasy, not kind of pseudo fantasy like historical medieval fantasy like Game of Thrones. Like this is the Witcher carries a silver sword that he uses to fight uh, monsters and he has another sword that he uses to fight humanoid creatures. And it's a really, really cool lore, but it's super deep. And like I said, it's really dark. And lots of deep, dark, disturbing magics and creatures and stuff. And I just, I'm trying to think of a comparison of something that you actually have enjoyed, and I'm not finding one. It's so, not there, buddy. It's yeah, not there. It's not. So I, I would never in a million years think this. I was just curious what you thought. Did you think the trailer looked at all intriguing? But no, it didn't. But again, okay, good. I, I just I didn't, yeah, didn't it's, it's 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 Henry Cavill, and you know he's not Superman, but whatever. I. I, I if if Hugh Jackman were in this, I'd watch the pilot just because it's a casting thing. And But I don't think it's enough to even get me to stay remotely close to it. Well, I'm super curious from our listeners. If you're hearing this episode right now, I would love for you to hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Actually, we would love for you to come join the Facebook group or re- respond to us on Twitter, wherever you are on social media, and let us know what you think about any of these that we're talking about that sparks your fancy, but especially The Witcher. I'm curious what the room is thinking about this one. Are you guys on board for The Witcher? Do you know anything about it? I don't even know how many of our listeners are video game players, and I know that the books aren't a huge hit here in the States, so we shall see. Well, the other fantasy TV trailer that dropped is for The Big One, uh, and this is His Dark Materials. This is coming to HBO, and like I said, this is, I think, their first attempt at replacing Game of Thrones. This is based on the best-selling novels by Philip Pullman. There was one film adaptation previously called The Golden Compass, and it bombed, bombed, bombed really, really poorly. The show is set in an alternate world where one's soul manifests as a shape-shifting animal called a daemon. Um, that part of this is super compelling to me. Like, the idea of... Part of me becoming an animal that can shapeshift and be different things and protect me and help me, cre- you know, solve problems or puzzles and things. Like, I feel like that's a really cool fantasy idea that I would love to see play out. And the cast in this is awesome. It's James McAvoy and he's amazing. It's got Daphne Keene and weird twist, Patrick. She was X23. And so she was in a movie with Professor X, but it was a different version of Professor X than James McAvoy. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mind blown. Oh, yeah, it should be. It should be. <laughs> Mind blown. Mind controlled. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Now I'm going too far. But uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is in this as an actor. Uh, Ruth Wilson has a, a strong role in this. And then there's an armored bear. Okay. The armored bear was awesome. I, just seeing that, that's the kind of fantasy I like. The production value looks off the charts. I do have some reservations, though, and I'm curious what you thought about this trailer and what you know about this series in general. The only thing I know about this series is its controversial author and 
the way in which he kind of postures himself towards faith in general, Christianity specifically. So I'm kind of turned off by that just because of the fact that those books didn't appeal to me. But again, I think the epic fantasy portion of it is not going to going to do it for me. So even from a storytelling standpoint, I don't think I'd be interested in it. Um, I don't even know that I want to give the pilot a try. I think I'd kind of have to get word of mouth from people that know me could give me kind of insight into thinking, Hey, this is something worth checking out. But on its own, I just don't think it's for me. I expected that. Um, I'm, this one's hard. I'm really intrigued by this. Mo- like multiple reasons. I said, I, I love the idea of the fantasy world behind this and some of the things that are in play. I love the cast. I love that it's HBO. And I can rely on the production value to be there. And I know that many, many fans in nerd culture are going to flock to this. And so it's going to be a huge touch point uh, in talking series for people to discuss on social media and at the water cooler. And I want to be a part of that. I always do. The problem, though, is the faith aspect. And, you know, Philip Pullman wrote this admittedly as essentially anti-christian propaganda of sorts like it is a world in which christianity is not good not there um he is from an atheist perspective and there are storylines that go so far as to spoiler alert um but sorry to eventually end up killing the quote-unquote god right it takes much more of a paradise lost perspective of Maybe Satan was right and he should rebel. And, you know, you have the power to do everything you want in and of yourself. And now listeners that aren't Christians or have no real faith belief system to speak of in general, I'm not knocking you at all, but maybe you can put yourselves in our shoes as far as anything that you're passionate about in a belief way. When that's challenged, you have a couple options. You can either not engage with it because it's, frustrating it's controversial it it doesn't sit well with you it makes you uncomfortable or you can watch it and see if there's something you can glean from it right like what can i learn about the perspective of philip pullman through watching this show so i'm really on that line right now of i don't know if it's gonna cross the line for me where i feel like my quote faith is being attacked unquote if that is the feeling it creates in me i will bail and I won't be able to to watch that and enjoy it. If it's something I can watch and view kind of from a pulled back perspective and see it through different eyes and maybe start to understand others better, then I'm definitely open to it. But that's where my hang up with it is. I think that it's probably going to be a fantastic narrative story. And everyone I've talked to says that the books are super well written and it's really rich thematic material to... Uh, play with in this world so all of that has me willing to at least give it a shot and we'll go from there fantastic all right well our last bit here is going to be just about some of the general news that was dropped wasn't a ton of this or i guess there was a ton but it was all one company (laughs) so we're going to talk about the one non-marvel bit of news that i picked up on uh first and that is halloween sequels are coming not one but two and in back-to-back years uh, releasing in October, duh, uh, 2020 and 2021, these are going to capitalize off of the success of David Gordon Green's reboot of the Halloween series last year, which is a huge box office success and got a lot of critical acclaim as well. 
I don't. Did you ever see it, Patrick? I was not ever big into the Halloween franchise. I need to probably get into it though. This is going to be one of those that I think I mentioned on social media. If a person or a collective group goes through it, I'll be on board to join in that kind of community. But it's not one that ever appealed to me. Mike Myers was not a a character that I ever found myself going, dude, what's going to happen with this guy? So I didn't watch the original Halloween until a couple of years ago for the first time. Really enjoyed it. Not a huge fan of those old slasher flicks in general. So if that tells you anything, I still was able to get a lot out of it. I thought it was really, really well crafted. The reboot is a lot of fun and is really good. And I would recommend it. I think it's not gory enough to turn you off. I think it's interesting and, and it's got good writing. It's witty. It's got some strong female characters um, coming back and it's fun. It's just kind of fun, fun horror movie. Uh, so I'm actually kind of excited for these. I will definitely be going to see them. It does sort of take the suspense out of whether Michael's going to make it through that sequel, first sequel or not, since we already know there's two. But I guess this is a horror movie and it's like the 10th Michael Myers movie or something overall. So we really shouldn't be surprised by that. <laughs> he probably's not going to make it through the third movie or he's probably going to make it through the third movie too. So, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty interested in this and I was ecstatic. I think it's really cool to announce that. And it's an interesting decision to say they're going to do their sequels in back to back years. I think they're going to film them at the same time though. And that's part of how they're able to do that. I like that because characters don't age and, they're able to really stay in that same character instead of having to come back to it, say, two, three, four, five years later and try to recapture the same exact tone or mood. Yeah, for sure. Well, after that, we got the capper of Comic-Con, which makes sense. DC was not at the show. So DC was not there to show us any Joker trailer or anything interesting, unfortunately. But Marvel was. And Marvel released their phase four plan and it is gigantic. There's so much content out there going on uh, between series on Disney plus and new movies that are coming. We got a lot of stuff and we won't spend a lot of time on all of them. I want to start by asking you what of the announced Marvel stuff is your most anticipated movie or show. I'm in the minority here, but I'm actually looking forward to the animated. What if series that's coming out? This was a constant series when I was collecting comics and reading comics back in like the nineties that I absolutely fell in love with this idea of, Hey, wouldn't it be cool to read a story about this or that? At one point I had made a deal with myself to try to collect as many as possible. If not the whole thing, I'm also trying to find since that didn't happen, find them all collected together in either a couple of hardcovers or paperbacks. But I think Aaron, this is where Marvel can really get my attention in a different way. Take your properties that I'm already familiar with, I'm already loving, and then just tell your stories. Have some fun with it. Let it be an anthology series that different writers and directors have fun with these characters and let your audience just live in that what-if scenario. So I think of the ones that are coming out, it is probably tops on my list. If there was a second, I would probably give it to uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, with the fact that, wow, we, you know, with the announcement that we are getting our female Thor coming down the pipe, 
I love the fact that we're going to get a different Thor story, especially since you and I are not soured on where Thor is going as a character, but not as excited as where he started. So this will be a nice new, fresh entry into the Thor-verse that, that we've been so familiar with. Yeah, so a couple things. First, on the What If series, for those that aren't super familiar, I like to use the example of an in-game spoiler. So if you haven't seen it, I don't know who you are and where you've been, but whatever. I'm going to spoil it anyway. If, oh, I almost feel bad doing it. I don't care. If Black Widow didn't die and Hawkeye did die instead, how would things have changed in Endgame in the rest of the narrative like what would have changed how would things have gone differently that's kind of the ideas that are proposed in the what if type series and i love it i love that it's anthology based (laughs) so it's snippets and i don't have to follow along every single episode every week or whatever the case may be i can just pick and choose one here and there when i want to watch something in a whatever however long it is 30 minutes or an hour chunk and i don't have to do them all back to back so that appeals to me. I'm excited for that one as well. Uh, with regards to Thor, I'm actually a little surprised that you're excited for that one, uh, simply because you and I both have been a little bit, like you said, sour on uh, Taika's take on Thor in Ragnarok and the use of comedy. This one clearly is probably going to lean into that as well. But with the announcement of it being kind of Jane Thor now, I'm so intrigued that what are you going to do? Like I, You want to see how it plays out. Right. I haven't read the comics, but I know that the stories of female Thor in the comics have been really well received from everyone I know that's read them. I've yet to hear anything negative about it, so I'm going to trust that. I love Natalie Portman. Say what you will about the power play of refusing to come back because she didn't have a big role, and then now here she is returning to play. Whatever. She did it. She got it. She wants to do it. She says she's going to get jacked for this role. She's one of my favorite actresses of all time. I can't help but be excited for it. I'm so interested to see what happens in this. And also, what's going on with Thor in general? Because is he going to be in this movie that much? Or is he on the road trip with the Guardians, which is what we hope. That's what I'm thinking, is we're going to get a Jane-centric Thor. Obviously, he's going to have to... Make an appearance of some sort, but... Right, I mean, or maybe we're going to get some kind of, like, bridge. Maybe something's going to happen in this next iteration of guardians that's going to include thor where we're going to get the teaser for uh for jane to make her appearance so yeah maybe maybe you need a thor that's not fat and out of shape and he's got to go get in shape before he can come back and take take the name back or something that's for sure so i think for no other reason than to have natalie portman uh come back as jane and take on the the thor persona i think it's a fresh take on the character personally and it's it's for me it's necessary i think it's time absolutely uh well for me the most anticipated is definitely blade the moment i saw this announcement drop that mahershala ali was going to be blade in a new series of movies or new movie at least i squeed um i love the original blade films i even tolerate slash like blade trinity I can't help it. Jessica Biel, Ryan Reynolds. It's bad. It's a bad movie, but it's kind of okay. It's got some, it's got some moments, but Blade 1 and 2, I love. I think Wesley Snipes is fantastic, but I'm, it's been long enough now, 20 years darn near, that it's okay to reboot this. And it even got better when we learned from Kevin Feige that 
the way this went down was after winning his Oscar for Green Book, Ali called Marvel Studios and requested a meeting with Faye. And in that meeting, he basically said, I want to be Blade. And Kevin said, all right, that's that. We're doing it. And this is all within the last several months. Like, And boom, now they're making Blade with Mahershala Ali. So I am absolutely hyped for this. I love it when an artist is passionate about a role. I feel like you get the best product when that happens. It sounds like Mahershala definitely is. I just rewatched Alita the other day. Really loved it. Uh, huge step up from my first viewing experience, but Mahershala's role in that is kind of like a blade minus the action. And I just could see him as a blade so easily when I was watching his character in Alita. I, dude, I, I hope Disney lets this be R. I, I hope that they allow it to be what blade has always been and don't try to dumb that down. We shall see how that goes. Uh, it's yet to be determined how they're going to handle that, how they're going to handle Deadpool. Uh, but I'm super ecstatic. I love vampires in general. And yeah. Blade is an awesome character. It's just, and having him in that role is just going to be fantastic. I'm not up on the, on the blade movies. I think I saw the first one uh, with Wesley Snipes and well, the only one with Wesley Snipes, obviously, but it wasn't one that appealed to me. And I think part of that, because it was coming at a time when superhero movies were not like big money. And I think his was like the first in a while where it made. Yeah. Blade and the Spider-Man from Raimi are probably what got the MCU to existing. They bridged the gap. Yeah. I'll tell you from these titles, all of them are really intriguing. Uh, uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That looks really fun. I have no idea what that's about. Of course, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's going to be just epic right there. I look at Doctor Strange in the and the multi in the multiverse of madness, and I feel like I'm going to watch a game show. Um, with, with that, like he's going to be going like, all right, who do we have from this multiverse? We have him, and we're going to take it down. What's behind multiverse number three? You know, I feel like it's going to it's not going to do that, but that would be funny if it did. Well. I actually am on record as not liking Doctor Strange's original movie. Like, I don't love it. It is, I think, my least favorite. Well, not my least favorite because Dark World. But it's like in my bottom two or three of the MCU films. It just didn't do it for me. But this one has me excited as well because they said they're going to really let Scott Derrickson go for it. And this is going to be the first true MCU horror film. So I'm really intrigued. He said he's going to focus on the gothic and the horror, which is what he's best at, man. I'm also really, really curious because Scarlet Witch is a big player in this story. And apparently the events of the WandaVision series that's going to be on Disney Plus are going to lead up to the involvement of her being showing up on Doctor Strange's doorstep, which gets us to what she is doing in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And when you combined his powers with some of the things we know she's capable of, those of us who've read comics such as the house of M. I don't think that they're doing that storyline yet because it needs mutants, but she's got some insane power behind her. And I, Oh, I just can't wait to see how that meshes with what Dr. Strange does. That'll be fine. That'll be fine. I, I will probably, if it's that, I probably won't be seeing it, but whatever it's, I, I think I'm going to make two observations about this list. One, I don't think another studio could have had a list like this if they hadn't had 12 years of success. I mean, look at some of these names. 
Loki, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Winter Soldier, The Falcon. These are strong names, but these are not Iron Man. These are not Captain America. These are not your A tier. These are like your B's and C's. Does not take away from their power and their intrigue. But Shang-Chi, don't see that on a bunch of comic books. Don't see that being like a, a wow thing. Even Blade to an extent. I I think that there is something to be said about Marvel Studios and how successful they have been. That their phase four can be consisting of potential movies that on the surface 10 years ago would not have been money makers but because of that staying power because of what they've built it's pretty phenomenal the other other observation i want to make is the fact that in none of these places is an incredible hulk movie and i'm really disappointed in that i want more hulk and and i i'm, I'm being serious i feel like the incredible hulk the character has kind of gotten shortchanged, and I think Mark Ruffalo's got a lot that he can offer. I'd love to kind of get a different version of World War Hulk, but we're not going to get that. Planet Hulk sounds like a, a good possibility, but I just I don't know where his character could go after Endgame. So I'm, I'm sad that it's not there. Maybe it's somewhere in between the lines, but I'm not being hopeful. Yeah, I hear you. And I feel yeah, And, you know, there's definitely characters I would love to see stuff to. But you're right. Uh, Hulk is one that is an original. He's been in the original Avengers film line and yet nothing. You get, you're getting our Black Widow movie. We're getting our Hawkeye series and our, you know, Wanda and Vision series. But we're not getting any specific Hulk content. And that is that is disappointing, whether it's contract issues or just a lack of decision to make storytelling on his part. I don't know what's going on, but I agree. Um, it would be nice to get something with him. Maybe it'll come. Who knows? I will say we shall see how well these titles hold up. A lot of these are on Disney Plus. These are series, Hawkeye, Loki. But the movies, Eternals, this is I read a comic. I read this comic a long time ago. I remember nothing at all about it. And this is not one that the average population knows about. Like you said, Captain America, Avengers, those are names that you can at least leverage. But they are really going to be banking on the brand of the MCU existing and Marvel. And basically the clout of what they've done previously in order to get people in theaters for Eternals. Because no one's going to know what that is. And really, really good trailer. But the cast has me really intrigued, man. It's got... Angelina Jolie headlining it, so bringing her into the MCU. Uh, Richard Madden from Game of Thrones. Kamel Nanjiani, yes, I can't wait to see him in the MCU. Salma Hayek, uh, and Brian Tyree Henry is also coming. Double yes to that, because I love him. He is one of my like favorite actors right now. He's so hot. He's in everything, and he's just being amazing. So I'm really intrigued by the Eternals, and that one I'm pointing to to see how well the Marvel brand can pull in people to something that is completely new. Like yeah. Shang-Chi even has a diversity element to it um, of the Kung Fu movie crowd. There's elements that people already exist that don't have any connection to comics that they might go see that movie. But the Eternals is one. It's just a, it's, it's kind of like the guardians of the galaxy. So I guess they've proven James Gunn's proven. You can do it. We'll see. Um, if they're able to pull it off again 
or not. I, I will say, listeners, if you're not aware, the next movie is in May of 2020, and that's going to be Black Widow. So that's the next one coming from Marvel. And, you know, I guess with that, Patrick, we can wrap our San Diego Comic-Con reactions episode. Yes, we can. And we appreciate listeners, you guys being flexible enough to stick with us through this non-traditional episode. And we're, we hope you enjoyed what you heard and let us know in the Facebook group what you think, anything that you might be excited about from the movie and TV announcements or anything coming from the world of Disney in general, since apparently it's not going anywhere for a while as a property. Uh, coming up this week, we have got a double dose of fun for you. We've got our donor pick of 10 Things I Hate About You coming on. Aaron Hunley is going to be joining us. And then after that, for our patrons, we've got some fun bonus content where we're going to be talking about why we actually enjoy these uh, movies that take place in high school. I know I'm excited about that. Aaron, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you for a great conversation. I'm looking forward to walking through a lot of these TV shows and movies with you over the next, uh, what, two, three, four years, and we'll see what comes of it. And our next episode, main episode, by the way, is a Quentin Tarantino movie. So I am really excited for that. Um, listeners, just wanted to put that on your radar. I know many of you are going to be going to see it opening weekend, and I'm excited to talk about that one. It's, I don't know what to think. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. So once upon a time in Hollywood, I know very little about Charles Manson. I hope he doesn't enrage everybody, but it's Quentin Tarantino, so he probably will. Lots of blood and probably some really spectacular cinematic shots here and there. So Aaron, thanks for another great conversation and we'll talk soon. Hey everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.